You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete So He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Chavez ready at the belt, and the pitch to Piscotti is swung on, driven to center field, way back. The A's are going to win the game. How far is it going to go? And it clears the wall for a grand slam. How do you like that? On the first pitch that Piscotti sees from Jesse Chavez, he delivers a straightaway center field slam. And just like that, the A's have beaten the Rangers, and the final is 5-1. to one. Here's Chris Townsend. There's magic going on, folks. There's magic going on with your Oakland Athletics, who have won four in a row. Two walk-off Grand Slams in 11 games, which, oh, by the way, no one's ever done three in a season. And I was thinking about that today. Well, it makes sense because in all these years in baseball, when the bases were loaded, people didn't go up to the plate looking to yak one out of the ballpark. People looked the ball, put put the ball in play, hit a pop fly. You know, people weren't taking home run swings back in the day. That's not how they played the game. They would squeeze. Remember the old squeeze play that we don't see anymore? Safety squeeze? We don't see that. So that's why I think this really hasn't happened. I mean, this is modern day baseball where every guy's big, every guy's strong for the most part, and every guy has the ability to hit the ball of the ballpark. But as we heard from Stephen Piscotty last night, I mean, again, the ball was flying. Chapman hit one to right center. Piscotty thought it was a pop fly. We knew the game was over either way. I jumped up from my couch. I just didn't know it was going to be a grand slam. We have another phenomenal show for you today as we get you ready for all the games in Major League Baseball. We're talking about everything in baseball, just not the Oakland A's. But joining us at 315, the president of your Oakland Athletics, Dave Cabell. Then at 4 o'clock, we are going to have the, well, probably is it a little bit before, first let's welcome in. Commander Cody, good afternoon. Hello, Tony. It's great to see you again. And you're right, you, quickly, I'll say this before you get to the lineup. Uh, that home run, the, the grandson Piscotti hit last night, that looked like a home run in 2019 where it just kept going and going and going. And then it went out and it's like, uh, okay, what's with the baseball? So that's the first thing I thought last night when he, when he hit it out because it just kept it just kept going back and back and back and then you didn't know how to like, even Kuiper on TV like listening to it and even Ken with Ray and Vince like they didn't know what was going out then all of a sudden it's just like and it's a walk off grand slam and it's like oh well there it is well because when Matt Olson hit his he knew it Piscotti didn't know it 
So, yeah, it was uh, it had a little 2019 baseball ish feel to it. But whatever, we will take it. Um, so we're probably gonna have to move the pitching ninja Rob Friedman up because James Caprellian is going to be with us around 415 ish when batting practice ends. So why don't we we'll play it by ear. But the pitching ninja will be a little bit before four. Then we'll have James Caprellian at 415 ish. And then we'll have the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey, at 430. Why? It's Wednesday. Wednesday means it's Fossey Day. You kidding me? Can't wait to talk to Foss. And then I'm going to be getting you ready for A's baseball at 515, A's total access. And then first pitch will be at 610. Um, I was around a few A's employees today, earlier today. We all agreed the 610 starts awesome. I wonder if we could poll all baseball fans. Is everybody's schedule like that? Because the reason why we're doing it is for the Texas teams. But I got to tell you, these games ending at nine something, I, I like a lot better. You know, we talk about things that are going on this year and looking at it. I mean, Kids have a better chance of watching the entire game if the game starts at 6 than if it starts at 7.10 or 7.15 or if it's Dodger Stadium, 7.30. At least they have a chance to see the first seven innings when we're not talking summertime. Summertime's a different deal, but then summertime still they can see the whole game. You know, my kids are getting a little bit older so they can stay up at times. But, I mean, back in the day, there was no way my kids were up at 10 o'clock at night. So, I, I, I don't know about you. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of liking the uh, – I'm liking the 6-10 start. You, Cody? Yeah, I enjoy it, too. Even the 6-40 starts now as opposed to the 7-07 or 7-10 or 7-15 because the Giants did that last year. They moved – all their starts during the week to 645, and then I think Friday they still kept it at um, 7. But I love the 610 starts. I know we're accommodating the Texas teams, and for them it'll be 810, which is great. And on the East Coast, obviously 910. I, I like it. It gives a chance for everyone to view the games, especially the younger audience, which baseball is trying to capture. So it's a good step. It's a step in the right direction. I think Pete Alonzo was mic'd up yesterday. Another good step in the right direction. Uh, I, I love all the stuff that they're trying to do this year. The the gimmicks, people might call it this year with everything, what the runner on set. I love everything that's going on with baseball this year, and I hope it stays. And, I'm yes, I'm a younger fan, but I believe that this is the right thing for baseball to do to catch on in popularity again and, and become you know, America's pastime again where people are watching it all the time and not just be a regional sport like it's become. Good news on the standpoint from the league. And it's something that I've been trying to hammer down here because I don't know why. A lot of our national baseball columnists have been real negative. And they've been sending out a lot of the, oh, my God, it's going to spread everywhere. And they're going to shut down the sport and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Give me the facts. Don't give me your opinion. Give me the facts. The facts are the Marlins and Cardinals screwed up. Everybody else so far looks like they've been doing the right thing. And Rob Manfred told ESPN.com this morning 
I think the vast majority of our players have done a really good job adhering to what are difficult protocols. They're contrary to the way people normally live their lives. But says it's working. It's working. I remember when the Marlins thing first came out. Do, do you? This is why I almost feel like I need to get off Twitter. Do you remember what happened on Twitter? A bunch of people, see, baseball shouldn't be playing. Baseball shouldn't be playing. It was all over Twitter. Cancel the season. Cancel the season. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot that's going on here. And a lot of the people who I saw who canceled the season don't have a stake in the game. And Rob Manfred was smart. And I I even said here, hey, listen, if this starts going all over to every team, I'll understand. But at this point, this is the Marlins. And then then it was the Cardinals. But everybody else is doing a great job. We believe in the two serious outbreaks that we identified deviations from the protocols that resulted in the situation that we had. The key is vigilance. It's vigilance on part of the commissioner's office, club officials, players, everyone involved in the game. Yeah, you can't be going out to bars. You can't be going to restaurants. You can't be going to the hotel bar. Can't go to casinos. And the other thing that's been good, and we'll talk to Dave Cavill coming up here in a couple minutes, is making tweaks to keep everybody safe. For example, masks. Teams will upgrade to surgical masks on planes. Previously, cloth masks were deemed usable, but some spread within the Marlins and the Cardinals is believed to have occurred on chartered flights, according to source. So, guy goes out, gets it, and then they're all on the plane together. Planes. There will be even more aggressive stance about managing social distance on planes. We have to make sure people stay in their seats. Eating. While eating and drinking still won't be banned on planes, it's strongly encouraged to do so in a timely manner in in staggering times. Players in the same row shouldn't have their mask down. So if I'm sitting next to a guy, I eat, he keeps his mask on. Simple. He starts, I put my mask back on, he eats. These are not... These are not really tough things. Uh, Does anything sound tough to you? Because if I was flying on a plane and a guy had his mask off next to me, I'm not taking my mask off to eat. These are pretty basic. We're going to reemphasize the significance of outdoor space. Everybody has built outdoor space adjacent to clubhouse. You know, the bullpens, keeping guys in the stands, spacing out. None of what baseball is saying when they're saying we're making tweaks is anything that I think any of us would say, oh, that's crazy. I can't believe they're making them do that. All the negative Nellies kind of bothered me. And I don't know if that's just how calmness are trained. They're trained. I mean, they're mostly trained to be negative. I mean, that's just kind of what roles of a of a columnist, a sports columnist has been for all these years. You know, it's like they weren't rooting for it to happen. They were constantly waiting for the hammer to come down and this was going to fail. I can tell you it's been good for my family to have baseball back. 
and I bet it, it can be saying it can be said the same thing for your families out there listening. What it means every night to be able to say, or every day, we have baseball. We have thirty games in thirty-one days. Every day you have something. When's the last time you had something to really look forward to on a daily basis? When? You might have. I mean, some people were happy just to get out to go to the grocery store, or go to Costco, or or you know now. Once golf opened up again, just be able to go out and have some exercise or play tennis or just go to the park with your dog. Now you have something to actually look forward to on a daily basis. A's baseball is coming your way every single day. I think next Thursday is the next day off. I'm bringing up the schedule as we speak. But yeah, we're on a run of... 30 games in 31 days. And if you're telling me these walk-offs, if, if this is how the season's going to be, and I haven't even brought up Jesus Lazardo, the kid's special. And we'll talk to the pitching ninja, Rob Friedman, about it because Jesus reached out to him. So did Jake Diekman. Pitchers around the league are re reaching out. Hey, how can I make this a little bit better? Hey, I would like to actually develop this kind of pitch. Can you help me with it? Jesus Cesaro is special. And it's going to take some time because I, I talked to Rob about this. You know, he, he has been babied. He hasn't learned yet how to just pitch and get deep into games. Because essentially, because he had Tommy John in high school and the Nationals still thought this is this kid's got a great arm and they took him in, what, the third round, he's always been a guy that everybody's worried about the bullets in his arm. Well, there, there, will, come a there will become a time with maturity where every pitch is not all out. You learn how to have some in reserve. So you can last to the seventh inning. And the team can trust you can last to the seventh inning. And not every fastball has to be 98 miles an hour. That'll be the evolution. Because right now, he's always been told, go out there and give him hell. But you're not going to do it for that long. You know, thank God for Matt Chapman hitting that home run last night because Lance Lynn was dealing. And I, I could just see, like, oh, God, Lance Lynn gets through seven. They go to the bullpen. This thing ends one nothing. But last night was a little reminiscent of last year. They score when they hit home runs. And when they don't hit home runs, they don't score. But uh, luckily, they did hit the home runs, and they were able to win last night with another walk-off. And I know somebody who was pretty jacked up about that walk-off last night, the president of your Oakland, uh, your Oakland Athletics, Dave Cavill. Dave, what was it like last night? The crowd went wild. You should have seen the cutouts. I saw some of them moving, and uh, they were cheering. And it was, it was quite a moment, and especially for, uh, for Piscotti to do it, Stephen Piscotti. Um, it was just incredible. Second walk-off Grand Slam of the season. I mean, that's incredible. It's never been done three times in a season. That's well, great. maybe we'll do it tonight. Might as well go for it. <laughs> and, and there will be over 6,000 cutouts ready to rock and roll. 
Yeah, I think we put another thousand in, so we're gonna we're, the attendance is going up because everyone's watching. So it's fantastic. You know, Rob Manfred came out, and, and I like Rob, and I think he's totally right that the league, other than two teams, the league has been fantastic on how they have handled this pandemic. We've never seen anything like this before. And I do like, too, how they're they're tweaking things, right? We're now going to have surgical masks on the planes. And, I mean, they're being fluid with this and I think really being smart. And I've talked to you about how proud you are of your staff. I'm really proud of baseball and how the majority of teams have handled this. Well, and I think that's the key. You have to be nimble. You have to respond to the situation you're in. And, you know, you have to just, you know – it's like keep your hands back so you get the curveball because this is a really challenging environment and I really credit Rob and the rest of the league and their approach and you know we're trying to do our part here in Oakland and we have a fabulous uh, head athletic trainer uh, Nick and his team and David Forrest and Billy like everyone's working together Bob the players uh, to make it work and it's a collective effort as you know and for our fans. You know, we haven't had much to look forward to, and now our fans have something to look forward to basically every single day and every single night as we're playing 30 and 30 games in 31 days. I think what we're doing for our community is huge. I have so many people who contact me via Twitter, or they text me or email me or email the president account and just talking about what it means to them to be able to have that those storylines and hear about the players and be able to watch on TV, that sense of normalcy that comes with that. I think it's been really important for people. And, and it's, it's something that baseball can provide uh, to America and, and to the Bay area community. So I, I woke up this morning and I realized you've been very busy today. We have a lot going on. Did you see my tweet storm? I was very busy on Twitter this morning. I, I love it. Let's fight. Let's go. Hey, you know, this is this is a big deal. You know, we filed a lawsuit today um, in Alameda County Superior Court, and it's against one of the key regulators, California Department of Toxic Substance and Control. And it's really all around their failure to impose and enforce environmental law in West Oakland, you know, pretty close to where our offices is, um, you know, an area that has long been kind of forsaken by regulators in the community or, the, you know, the civic institutions. And it's all about, you know, making sure Schnitzer Steel, which is the large metal shredding facility, adheres to the laws. And that's all we're asking everyone to do. And I think this can be a really important step in reaffirming our commitment to Oakland and ensuring that uh, not only our project, but our community is benefited by our actions as an organization. Reading about this today going, this has been going on for like 30 years. Are you kidding me? It's been a long, long, I mean, if you read the, the complaint that we filed today, I mean, it's, it's, it's 30 or 40 years of neglect, and there's been all sorts of reasons um, for, you know, kind of this exemption that they have. But all we want them to do is follow the law that was passed in 2014, and it's being followed across the bay at Sims Metals, which is in Redwood City, pretty close to where I live. And it should, should have the same standard, you know, here in a community of color in, in West Oakland. And so... We just want them to enforce the law, basic fairness for people in West Oakland, and we're hopeful that, you know, actions will follow uh, the lawsuit. As you're trying to make the neighborhood better, and you've been doing all this research with Howard Terminal and talking about all the great things that the new ballpark's going to provide, when did you decide, you know what, we got to get involved, this is wrong? Well, I think it started about a year and a half ago when we first uncovered some of these findings in our research. 
And we went and sat down with the regulators, and that was back in January and February of 2019. Um, but then nothing happened. And, you know, there was no progress, and they took the information and didn't really respond. And so, you know, we just felt that that was unacceptable. You know, it was really a regulatory failure that we needed to take the next step. Um, and, you know, environmental justice and sustainability and stewardship is really core to our commitment to Oakland. You know, we have some of the highest environmental standards on any project in the history of the state. Um, at the waterfront, we have lead gold or better, we're greenhouse gas neutral, we're doing local offsets to help help air quality. You know, we're dealing with sea level rise on, on a, a terminal that's not going to be able to deal with it in any other way. So we're dealing with this stuff head on, you know, and that's a really important piece of this. And we want to make sure that, you know, we carry that forward to the next level. Yeah, because the reality is this is just bigger than baseball, isn't it? This is just about, you know, people's health and their wellness and also about doing what's right. You know, there's an equity piece to this. Um, that I think, you know, for us as an organization that's one of the longest standing community organizations in Oakland, um, having an opinion on this is important because for too long, people have just stood on the sidelines. And so we're taking bold action. Um, we're hopeful that it's going to lead to real results. We have the support of the community. And I think this is the type of thing that hopefully more organizations can get behind. So what do you think you can accomplish with this lawsuit? Well, hopefully we can get people to follow the law and ensure that, you know, um, things like air quality and health are, are prioritized and that all communities are treated equally uh, under these laws, which often doesn't happen. And so I think that's our key focus. You know, we have a, a website, schnitzerwatch.org, that people can go to. You can sign a petition um, supporting, you know, our efforts and the lawsuit and really demanding action from DTSC and Schnitzer Steel to uh, – to, to move forward in a more positive direction. And that, that's what we're hoping to do. You know, no one has ever built a new ballpark where there wasn't somebody who didn't like the idea. I mean, I remember Petco Park got pushed back. Tony Gwynn never got to play there. It was unfortunate. Um, same thing with the Giants, Pittsburgh, you name it. There's, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like the idea. Yeah, I mean, I think the key thing is, is like we, we really don't mind the public discourse about making the project better, but we want people working in good faith to ensure that we all are trying to achieve some type of success. And that's all we're asking for, is that fair shake. And um, we're hopeful that the community outreach we've done, the project that we put forward, you know, the, the dollars that we are spending to make these investments can get us to that point, because that, that's what it's gonna take. And, and, and I think you know, some days are better than others, but overall, you know, the trajectory and even with COVID and things like that, you know, the city needs this project more than they did a year ago. Those things matter in terms of getting this thing done, getting to a public vote next year, final approval so we can move forward and break ground. Yeah, I know we've talked about this before. You know, COVID-19 has changed a lot when it look when you look at cities and business and what this project will now mean more than ever for the city of Oakland and the East Bay. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's, we're proud to lead a project like that. You know, it, it is bigger than baseball. Um, and as you can see what happened with, you know, Oracle Park in San Francisco and how that transformed an entire area and even brought a arena there eventually to that whole Mission Bay area. These are big time things for these communities. And, you know, we're hopeful that this can be a catalyst for so much more.
I really wish we could take people around the country because you've done those trips. I've done the trips either with the A's or in the NFL, and you go to all these stadiums and arenas and ballparks, and and they talk about how nothing was there, but then they build it, and it's amazing all the growth around all these places around the entire country. It's amazing. I mean, if you look at the case studies on this, it's so rock solid, and it leads to so many positive developments and jobs and and just civic pride you know all that stuff together Tony, is huge yeah i mean someone was, someone was a big complainer about about the shark tank down here in san jose and you look back and go you know you know how many events i've been there from sharks games to concerts to taking my kids to disney on ice you're gonna try to you're gonna try to tell me this wasn't good for the community come on yeah i mean i've been down there going down there for 25 years myself i mean i totally know what you're talking about so um, so I think the same thing can happen here in Oakland. And I think with the departure of the other teams too, it's becoming more apparent of what can be lost if you don't have these things. And I'm just, um, optimistic that we're going to be able to craft that and really bring the community together around this project. And I so hope the community understands. I mean, you've lost the NBA, you've lost the NFL. I mean, this, this is, this is the team that has always been committed to Oakland to stay. I, I know there was a previous regime and some issues, but the people inside the organization have always wanted to be here. And, and it's, and, and this, this is where the A's belong. Absolutely. You know, we're rooted in Oakland. We believe in this community. I mean, it's, it's really, it is a city of champions. There's so many championships that have occurred here over the years and so many great players that have come from here, whether it's Ricky Henderson or Frank Robinson or, Bill Russell. We want that next generation and they're motivated and, and inspired by, you know, the players on the field now, Marcus Simeon and Mark Canna and, you know, Stephen Piscotti. And so it's just, it's great to see that. It's crazy, Dave. We don't have a lot of games left. This thing, I mean, you blink and next, you know, you're already through all these games. It's, it's kind of amazing actually. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's speeding along and um, you know, we're just taking it one game at a time and, just trying to do our best as an organization and uh, have success both on and off the field. And, and let, let's end on this. How good did Jesus Lazardo look last night? Man, I mean, his stuff is just filthy. I mean, you just see it, and it's just his confidence and his velocity. And I was so happy to see him out there. Sometimes when you have your first start, you know, you get the butterflies. But the guy's a gamer. It's great. Well, we're going to get everybody to go to that petition and and sign it. And we know you're going to fight for us and the A's family. And we always appreciate it. And uh, continue to enjoy the A's winning streak and the A's winning in 2020. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You're the best. See ya. Take care. The president of your Oakland Athletics, Dave Cavill. The guy's a fighter, man. That's who you want behind you. That's who you want making it happen. And he's going to do everything he can to get us that ballpark. And that's called leadership. And that's just, you know, these projects, they're not easy. And that's why I mentioned that, you know, over time, we've seen it in all the different uh, cities. And by the way, today's episode of The Bill is sponsored by Mechanics Bank, the official East Bay Bank of your Oakland Athletics. I mean, look how tough it was for for the Giants to get get theirs. Look at look at all the stuff the 49ers went through with San Francisco to finally get it in Santa Clara. Building in California is not easy. <laughs> 
Ask the Rams. The Sacramento Kings had one foot out the door going to Seattle, and they saved it in the very end. And we're talking about an arena, not a ballpark, an arena. The San Diego Chargers left San Diego for Los Angeles. You want to talk about a disaster. The Angels, they say they need a new stadium. Building in the state of California has been tough for everybody. I'll always feel bad for Tony Gwynn. Rest in peace. He held, He's one of the reasons why people love that team and voted for that new ballpark and lawsuits kept it, kept the project from going off and he never got to play there. But you need someone like, like, Take teams that have just been a wreck, right? The Chargers were a wreck. They didn't have somebody like Dave Cavill. I don't know what the Kings had. Somehow the Kings saved it. I wasn't really up on how the Kings saved saved their team from going to Seattle. But, I mean, come on, Oakland. You got to get behind this. I mean, this is, this is, this is big stuff. It means a lot. I know it should mean a lot to you. Go sign the petition. I just closed out. Give me that, Cody. Give me the petition. It's uh, schnitzerwatch.org. I can spell it out for everyone if needed. Go ahead. Yeah, it's S-C-H-N-I-T-Z-E-R watch.org. And you can go on the website and the petition's on there and you can find out more and about what's going on and the lawsuit and all that. So, I appreciate Dave coming on to explain it because I saw the uh, the tweet storm he went on this morning when I woke up and I was like, all right, uh, this is pretty big. We have to get uh, we have to get Dave on on today for for the build, and um, I'm glad we we're able to make that work. And there's you know, and I don't want to talk out of school, but in most major cities around the country, there's always projects that people have that I can tell you. That you take the major cities in this in this country, there's going to be a lot of projects that were going to be ready to go, that are not going to go. And there's going to be some pro- projects that will be stalled, and hopefully at some point they do go. But when you talk money for the city and jobs and unions and stuff like that, it's going to be this is going to affect us for years. This is not going to be, hey, they found a treatment. Everything's good. Hey, they found a vaccine. Hey, everything. I mean, this is going to hurt. It's it's hurting all over the world. You know, I saw last night on, on Twitter, and that you're not hearing a lot in, in our media, that now the worst hit in the world is South America. They have more deaths than anybody. It was like well over 200,000. It's like this is something that's affecting the entire world. So it's not like we're just going to wake up one day, snap our fingers, and everything's back to normal. That's not going to happen. But I do know this. This ballpark, what it will mean for Oakland, what it will mean for the East Bay, and what it will mean for A's fans all over the Bay Area and A's fans around the country who come to A's games. It'll mean everything to you because you, you, you've you been the, as Billy Bean said, Moneyball, Brad Pitt, 
you're the last dog at the bowl. Everybody else got theirs. Except Tampa. You really want to compare the history of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays slash Rays to, to the to the Oakland A's? Really? But they're the two they're the two last ones. Now you got some you know, the, the treasures, Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, Dodger Stadium. They're not going, you know, they just keep renovating. You realize the Rangers now have had two new ballparks? What about Atlanta? Two. How about Atlanta? Atlanta has two. They had what? What was it? Uh, Cobb County Stadium or whatever. Then it was Turner Field, and now they have SunTrust Park. They've had like three no, ballparks. No, it, was, uh, it was Fulton County Stadium. The Fulton County, Cobb County. That's Cobb, I think Cobb County is in, in uh, Chicago. Home of friend of the program, Dale Murphy. And then they built the stadium for the Olympics, which was, what, 96? Yeah, 96. So, and that was built for the Olympics, and they turned it into a baseball park, and then now a new park. Yeah, so some teams have had two new parks. The only thing the A's got new was Mount Davis. How did that work out? There's fans up there for these games, though. There are fans (laughs) up there. I saw an Expos fan last night. Really? Is Marlon is that Marlon's man behind home plate? I'd have to look. I, I'm I, that was a question a lot of people were posing on Twitter. How many game? How many ballparks will Marlon's man be at? And I think it'd be a huge. I'd have to double check tonight, and I will. But I think it'd be in a way it'd be a huge miss for Major League Baseball to not have him at all thirty ballparks for games. Like I think that that like that has to happen. And you mentioned about you know the the treasures of stadiums. You know Wrigley, Fenway, Dodger, Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium, uh, the Big A in Anaheim, and the Coliseum are three of the five oldest ballparks in the United States. Three of them are in California. So that shows you how hard – when you're talking about how hard it is to build. uh, Say that again? Which stadiums? Dodger Stadium, the Big A, and the Coliseum are three of the five oldest ballparks in the U.S. Because you figure Wrigley and Fenway are older. But really, what other ones? Yeah. Yeah, but they yeah, uh it was it was it was funny the other day talking to Drew Goodman from the Rockies how old that ballpark is, but it still looks great. Coors Field. That's an I've never been there, but that's on my list of like NL ballparks I need to go to. I, I have to get there to see the, the Blake Street bombers. Here's a great example. So I took the tour of Coors Field. They take you all they take you to the clubhouses, take you under the field, they take you to the suites, all the special bars. And they, you know, they give you the tour of Coors Field. Where the ballpark is built in Denver is the old railroad where just it was bums, it was drugs, it, no one went to that part of town. It was a seedy area. It was a loosey-goosey area in Denver, Colorado. Thanks, everyone. Well, <laughs> so when I went there, and Coors Field's built. Man, there's restaurants and bars all around there. Jobs, man. You build it, they will come. I've seen this happen in Pittsburgh when they built PNC Park. Before, forever, the Pirates and Steelers and Pitt football played at Three River Stadium. Ugh. This is before when, you know, when Force Field was around, but... Um, that's there's still the wall there. People still go there for every year on the anniversary of the 1960 Mazeroski home run. They go and listen to the game, but 
now where they built PNC Park in Heinz Field in, on the North Shore in Pittsburgh, they have restaurants, bars, concert venues that aren't the two arenas. They've really built that area up. It, that's what happens when you build stadiums. And it's – I mean, uh, even Sacramento, I've been to Golden, uh, Golden One. It's a great arena, by the way, if you want to go watch a good basketball – like a basketball game. The fans are great. The arena is the arena's brand new. It's awesome. And they have a lot of stuff surrounding it. It When you build a stadium – People will come. You're right, and that's why I can't wait to see whenever the the waterfront ballpark happens and all the stuff around it because it's it's great. I mean, and Dave mentioned it. L- look at China Basin where they built Oracle Park in San Francisco. I wasn't here when they built that ballpark, but from what I've heard from people that have lived here, there was nothing there before. It was just uh, no, no, no. You know, you didn't go down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why am I going to leave Union Square to go down to a seedy area it's a loosey-goosey area no one you didn't go down there no 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 it changed san francisco now look at everything is down. i mean you go down there and you get the high rise. those people living in high rises we know someone that lives in one of those i mean you're like there's none of this was here none of it was here yeah they have that there's people who wanted to keep candlestick park that's literally the worst place ever it's freezing it's it's it it might be the coldest place on the planet. <laughs> and then and then you got the people that complain that they don't want to drive all the way to Santa Clara to watch the Niners play. It's really not it's, that far, people. It's too hot. Yeah, it's not that far to Santa Clara. I mean, you get on 101 and I mean, it's easy for us to say it's 15 minutes from us, but but from everyone that's complaining how far it is. I've literally been able to get there in like 8 minutes if you if you uh if you if you hit the if you get green when you turn off there on Great America Parkway and you yeah. get all the lights, you, you can get. I can get there in like eight, at least eight, ten minutes. Yeah, it's it's right for me. It's perfect. It's, I mean, it's, I'm close enough for it. And you know, the Shark Tank's right here. I mean, the Shark Tank's a great location. It's downtown San Jose. You got the bars on each side of you. You got the bar, the Whole Foods bar that I have right by me on the Alameda. There, there's it, the area gets built up when something like that comes in, and and it's going to be exciting to ha- see when it happens in Oakland. Would it be nice to walk out of an A's game and be able to go to like places like eat and drink and Oakland live bands? And I mean, wouldn't that be incredible? I mean, I I know you love tailgating, but the other you got to see how the other half is living. The other half is living really, really good. I'm telling you, I've traveled around. I've seen these places. The other half is living solid. Uh, We should probably get to the pitching ninja. I mean, if you want, yeah, whatever you want to go to him. All right, coming up next, Rob Friedman, if you follow him on Twitter, at Pitching Ninja, is a guy that Major League Baseball players, minor leaguers, college, people go to him and say, help me get better. He's a wizard when it comes to pitching, and he'll join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town. A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. So we've talked to Rob off the air and said, hey, do you want us to promote, if you're a young pitcher out there and or you're a parent or a friend of a young pitcher out there and you'd like to connect with Rob, I mean, go right ahead. He's, he's willing to help people. He's the pitching ninja. You got big leaguers going to him. So 
I've, I, I'm totally blanking on it. What, what is it? At Pitching Ninja? Yeah. And he, he runs Flatground, which is – he's a CEO and founder of Flatground, which is the which is what he uses for helping pitchers out. Um, he's a great follow on Twitter, uh, just at Pitching Ninja. Um, tweets out videos. The, the video of Dustin May last night, that, that two-seam fastball he threw to – I think it was Manny Machado or – Whoever, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, that was incredible. And Machado is so right. mad, and he's freaking out. Like, that's a bad call. It's like, man, he shot up. You got you struck out on a 99-mile-hour two-seam fastball. Start trying, and maybe you won't have to worry about it. <laughs> uh, he did it. He did it. Ginger Guard 93 cutter. Well, we'll talk about it. Uh, but go, go to at Pitching Ninja. You'll find out how to contact him if you're a young pitcher and you'd like some help. Hey, Jesus Lazardo went to him. Jake Diekman went to him. Why not you? Here's my interview with Rob Friedman. Rob, it's great to have you back on the program. And just how psyched are you that we got baseball back? I could not be more excited. I mean, it's just, uh, it's amazing. You know, we have talked before about the KBO and what you're doing around the KBO. Uh, there was some crazy stuff. You guys had some interesting stuff in the KBO, but it's nice to be back to looking at big league pitching. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you, the umpires were a trip in the KBO. I don't know if you saw any of that, but but they are creative with their punch outs and stuff out in uh, Korea. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like the swagger of the players. As you mentioned, the animated umpires, we, you know, we talked to a couple of guys over there, former A's, and they're, they're telling the pitchers that they want them to be animated. It's just a different style of baseball, but everybody just seems to get it. Yeah, that's really funny because my first comment was the hitters were really animated, but the pitchers weren't. And I was like, come on, guys, you got to step up your game. I want to see some case struts and stuff. So, so far, it looks like, and especially from the numbers, when you're looking at K's per game at a record high, batting average overall for teams at a record low. So it looks like, and tell me what you've been seeing, that the pitching is definitely ahead of the hitting. Yeah, I would say that. I've seen some like crazy nasty stuff this season so far, too. I mean, it, it, I think between analytics and and pitch design, I think it's taking pitching to the next level and hitting's going to have to catch up. I mean, it's normally behind at this at early in the season, I guess, but it's it's crazy now. You know, it's just I think about back in the day when you were learning a new pitch, it was all about feel and it was all about someone standing behind you and telling you what they saw. It's so different now with all the different technology for, for a guy to realize, because it's so different for a hitter. A hitter can sit there and hit in a cage all day long. He can hit till his hands bleed, but a pitcher, you, you only got so many throws in you a day. That's exactly right. You just hit on it because um, a lot of the old school guys will say, oh, well, we can tell with our eyes about, you know, this pitch moved and, you know, I don't need anybody to tell me, but you only have so many throws in a day and to get instant feedback from from actually analytics and know this pitch worked the way I wanted it to and this didn't or I want to add this pitch to my arsenal. Uh, that's a big step. And uh, I think the old school guys don't kind of realize the uh the the where we're at today and totally we have agree. and we have so many players reaching out to you even our own jake deekman reach out to you recently how many how many players do you get coming to you saying hey can you can you watch this can you analyze this and can you help me i would say it's probably about uh probably 20 is would be my guess 
Um, Deakman and Lazardo both have this season. I, I, Lazardo did it the other day about uh, Degrom's slider, which was kind of cool. But Deakman, yeah, that's 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 awesome. I love the help. I mean, it's so much fun. I want to send you my golf swing. Can you do anything with golf swings? Yeah, I wish I could because mine needs some help. <laughs> I mean, geez, that would be freaking awesome if I could do that. Yeah, Hell, I can't. Yeah, I mean, I can't even do it with my own pitching mechanics and stuff, but uh, I could help other people. Yeah, I thought during COVID my swing would and short game would get better, but uh, the more you play, uh, the worse you get in golf. That's unfortunate. <laughs> but the more you drink, the better you are, right? If if I don't have any swing fluid, then the day is going to be ruined. Yeah, absolutely. When uh, Hayes Lucardo, you know, he just went uh, yesterday for us, and it, it, you know, it's his first start. I think people kind of overhyped it a little bit because. You know, he pitched last year at the end of the year, and, of course, he pitched in the wild card game. He pitched in the playoffs. So they thought, like, is he going to be super nervous? But uh, I don't know if you got to see it. If you did, what did you think? All right. So he is a unusual character for his age. I mean, we actually interviewed him. Um, he did an interview for my flat ground site, and uh, he is so mature for his age. Actually know what he can do, know what he can't do, add pitches, slow the game down is way, way far advanced. I mean, I loved watching him pitch. I didn't think he had his, like, to be honest, he's nastier than he even showed last night. And he still, the the great part is he still was so good. Fastball was overpowering. His changeup was good. But his slider, I mean, I I think he would say he struggled a little bit with it. And you don't normally see guys his size left-handed throw that hard he's like johan santana but throws a lot harder when i think of short left-handers i think of like a billy wagner normally you don't see a guy his size from the left side throwing that hard absolutely i i think he he just has to be an extraordinary athlete a lot of uh quick twitch muscles but you're right i mean he he's kind of a freak and not only throws that hard but the movement he gets and the command for his age um, he is, he is off the charts. I mean, I don't know what his upside is. It's, 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 uh, I asked him, so I said, what do you think your upside is? He wouldn't answer the question because I think he, no, he knows his ceiling is, is kind of as high as it can be. You know, my thing for him would be because the way he's been trained is he's not going to throw a lot of pitches. He goes all out every single start. Uh, going into last night, he's only had two minor league starts where he goes six. My only thing for him would be, how am I going to get you to where you can start 30, 32, 33, 34 times a year? How can I get you to go six or seven? And Because that's the thing for me. He's been babied so much in the minor leagues. At some point, maybe he doesn't need to always be full throttle so he can go longer in games. Yeah, I think that's going to come with time. This is an interesting season, though. I mean, he's only got that short runway this year. Everybody's got to hit the ground running. So, uh, I mean, I think he will He will have to stretch out. I mean, that just comes with age. I think that they don't want to overuse him, too, because – you see a lot of young guys break down when they're overused early. Um, I kind of like what the A's are doing with them, but you're right. I mean, the next step in development is knowing when to turn it on and uh, knowing when to go full throttle and when not. Uh, but he'll he'll get there. I mean, dude is is very very smart and very level headed, and I can see him being in the league for a long long time. Yeah, very mature for his age too, and I think people don't 
equate that with being very good, but there's something about competing at the highest level, having a good head on your shoulder. Uh, I, I know you work with a lot of different guys and, and if you lack maturity and you lack the, the ability to make right decisions, you can be out of this league pretty quick. Yeah. You know who I compare him to maturity wise is Mike Soroka of the Braves. Like he's another guy that's way, I mean, unfortunately he got injured, yeah. uh, which is terrible, but a very mature guy for his age. And you see that in the pitching, like the, the, his ability to attack hitters um, and slow the game down versus overpowering everybody. Like young pitchers want to just show their stuff all the time. And just because a pitch is nasty, doesn't mean it works that well with what you're trying to do. Lozardo has a game plan and, and sticks to it. I mean, it looks really, really uh, good. And his maturity shows. You mentioned Soroka and the Achilles injury. I mean, for, 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 most people, that's like a year long, if not a little bit more than a year. I, I'm not asking you to play doctor, but do you know how that really affects a pitcher and his timeline of coming back? Because when you when, when you have that surgery, it's brutal. Yeah, I mean, I, I, unfortunately, it's it's kind of all bets are off with that. Everybody responds differently to to surgery. Their body heals at a different rate. The one thing you can't do is rush it because you rush it even if you feel good. Um, and your your Achilles f- feels like it's working. If you're not 100% timed up, when you're trying to go full effort, other things break. So you're compensating in different ways, and you have to worry about your arm and other stuff. So I know the Braves know what they're doing, but he's got to go along at the right the right pace. That would be the only thing that I would say. You know, following you on Twitter, and you're truly one of the great follows in baseball, at Pitching Ninja, and one of the great names. Uh <laughs> You had Blake Trinan on there against the Padres the other day with his his great sinker, which is just so hard to hit. And last year he struggled so much. And the same thing with Lou Trevino. And a lot of talk was about the ball and how the ball was so slick, how it was like a cue ball. It was smaller. We know it really didn't have very much seams. Where do you think we are with the ball this year? I think they've corrected said. This is what I heard, at least, um, and I asked around. I believe that it wasn't intentional and that, like, what happens is over time, these guys get better and better at making baseballs, but just because it's better in theory doesn't mean it's a better baseball. So they're getting tighter seams and, and, the, and the ball is tighter, the leather fits better, and all of a sudden the ball gets slick, you can't, you can't throw it as well, and it travels differently. So – um, I think they fixed it. It looks like, I mean, from the pitching results, it certainly looks like it. Uh, nobody seems to be having all that much of a problem. And and, and uh, uh, Trinan looks fantastic. I mean, is his, his ball's moving like it was as opposed to last year where he's struggling. But it could be mechanics too. I, I just, I know he worked on a few things. So with Jake Dietman, I know you helped him. How do you think it's working? Oh my God. I mean, that dude, he was nasty anyway because he's throwing – I mean, he's hes an extreme guy. His, his arm angle is extreme. And then adding horizontal movement to his slider makes it it's, – it's unfair. I mean, I don't it, – it, it's, it's a guess whether you can hit him at this point. So that was like – like he figured it out. I mean, it wasn't – like I didn't go to him and say, hey, hey, Jake, I got something for you. You might want to add this. He knew it. He took charge of his career and said, what do you got on this? And that fixed it. So kudos to him. I love seeing pitchers take charge of stuff. And that's why I like helping them. I mean, if anybody wants help, 
I love being there for him because that's, I mean, what else am I going to do with my day? Right. <laughs> you got a little time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I just work and do gifts and stuff. I mean, might as well help somebody. So you got Dustin May on there, ginger guard throwing a 93 mile an hour cutter and then a 99 mile an hour fastball. And you show the ball coming out of his hands. And then you see where the two different pitches go. I love that kind of technology, especially when a guy has like four pitches. It really goes to show how hard it is to hit a baseball with all the crazy stuff that these guys have in their arsenal. Yeah, great point. So I started out, I mean, the reason why I do it is to show pitchers kind of and show fans why it's, you know, how pitchers are trying to attack hitters. But you're right. I mean, I think it gives a different understanding. So instead of instead of fans sitting there going, why did he swing at that? He sucks. Yeah, I wouldn't like now they say, oh, well, maybe he doesn't suck. Maybe that was just ridiculously well tunneled and you couldn't tell the difference. Um, but it also helps pitchers like I know Lazardo is, is looking at adding a hard slider to his arsenal. You can see which way the ball's breaking and say, you know, I need something that moves a little bit down or a little bit a little bit more horizontal. So it lets you picture it because a lot of guys are visual. So yes, it shows how hard hitting is, but I think it also shows pitchers what they can add and how they can attack folks and maybe helps, hopefully helps fans uh, understand the game a little bit more. When you're working with a guy on his pitches, what, everybody's a little bit different, but, but what is the key thing to get somebody to buy in, to go, listen, this is going to work for you. You know, everybody's different. So it's like anything. It's like managing people or, or, or talking to your friend and trying to get them to change a habit. It just depends on the player. A lot of times it's just saying, hey, look, this guy does this and you want to be like him. You, you look at him as a role model or you look at this guy and say, rest of my pitches play this way. But this guy's throwing a curveball, and I really need a curveball. So some of it's visual, but then other guys look want to look at numbers. They want to see their rep Soto stuff or TrackMan results, and they say, "Oh, I get it. If I have a pitch that's three miles an hour slower and that has this much horizontal movement, this will fit in numerically with what I want." Most pitchers aren't like that. Most pitchers just throw the ball, and they like to see things. So a lot of guys are visual, but it just depends. Like it depends on what the what they respond to. Others just they want it to be their idea. So some guys, you have to say, you know, what do you think? And then you bring it out of them. Have you ever worked with a guy and you're watching him, you're going, we need to change this, son, or you're going to hurt yourself? Occasionally. Very seldom do I like to say uh, back that, oh, if you do this, you're going to get hurt. And I think it kind of ended up being a little bit junky science-y. Uh, that being said, there are some things. I mean, you can see somebody kind of overthrowing or, or, or not, it's mostly just not being within themselves and being balanced and, 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 and figuring out how to move correctly. Uh, but it's hard, like, cause everybody's different. I mean, can you look, watch an NBA game and say, this is why that guy tore his ACL, um, you know, is a UCL that much different? Yeah. I mean, muscle supported. There's so many different things structurally. Let's end on this. And I do think it's good for the game is outside coaches, because that was something that never happened. You basically, whatever the organization told you to do and whatever the organization said in the off season, this is what you need to work on. You did that. But now there's, there's outside people like yourself and there's hitting coaches and there's mental coaches. How good for the game do you think it is for these players to be able to get a different opinion? 
I think it's great. And I hope that coaches understand that. So there, there used to be a not invented here attitude among coaches. The coach was God and the player had to listen. And now with so much information out there, the players are second, for lack of a better word, second guessing their coaches, or at least thinking for themselves, because in the end, you don't know if you're going to play for the A's next year, they could trade you. They can do anything you want. All you are is you have to take charge of your career. You're your own business. You're your own person. So I think it's showing just that players should take charge of their own career, learn as much information as they can, take advantage of everything out there, and uh, and develop their game as they want to. So I think it's great, um, and I think most coaches are understanding that too because you know they could be at another place next year. They don't, you know, they want to make sure that their team's successful, um, and they learn. So sometimes you know I may be good at something, not good at other things. And as, as a coach, you should be able to take in information from other sources too and, and be better. Everybody should be growing instead of just saying, I know everything. It is always great to have you on the program. And, and I love your Twitter account. It is so entertaining. And, and keep helping our pitchers get better. I love it. We appreciate it. And we will uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. He's good. And he said anytime. So when someone says anytime, Cody, you know what that means. They're a weekly guest with us. Move over, Hembo. Hembo, uh, by the way, he he closed. He, he got the house. That's why, we oh, heard, he really? that's why we haven't heard from him. So apparently he's probably setting up his studio in his basement. So just another basement we'll find Hembo in eventually soon. Well, Because you know what the problem is now with Paul Hembikides, top producer and researcher at ESPN? He's now heavily in debt. Welcome to the world of owning a home. Yeah. And, and in, I think he – I. I can't remember. Did he say he was going to get it in New York or New Jersey? I can't remember. Oh, he's a Jer- it's Jersey. Okay, good. Okay, so he's saving some money there. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe so been- many, so many people. You live in Jersey and you either drive or take a boat or however you get over. I always Ubered over. It was so easy. Um, but yeah, you stay in Jersey and 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 work in New York. In Manhattan. Well, I was wondering if he. Uh- if he's going to live in Millville, the hometown of one Michael Trout, because then we could say that. Uh, I, I think that's on the western side of New Jersey, isn't it? It's not far from uh, Philly. Uh, I, all I know is that the Diamondbacks didn't want to scout him because uh, of uh, the game being because of rain. So that's why they didn't draft him. Remember that story <laughs> last year? They didn't draft him because of the there was a rain out. Mill, on the, Millview? Millville. 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 New Jersey. City of New Jersey. Let's see. Where is it? Oh, that's you better not go here. They got twenty eight thousand people living there, boy. It's like Woo! Whoops. That's like going to um what's a how can we equate that to a California town? Uh Morgan Hill's a little bigger than that. It's uh Okay, the East Coast is so weird. So New Jersey kinda comes down a little bit below Philadelphia. Like it's not it's not far from like Atlantic City and Ocean City. The oh. Jersey Shore, eh? Uh, the wrong that's the wrong uh, um <laughs> um Ocean City. The real Ocean City is in Maryland. That's uh that's Ocean City, Jersey. You don't go to that I've been to that one, you don't you don't go to that so one. So basically it's south of Philadelphia. So that's why he's such a big Eagles fan and big he's a, he's he's a Philly guy. God, it's so weird just how 
what's New York, what's – you know, it's just weird. Well, speaking, you, met, you mentioned – we mentioned Trout uh, first game back last night. Uh, didn't affect him with a layoff. He had a home run, so. No, he didn't. Yeah, he doesn't. There's no days – he's like Belichick, no days off. He's probably taking swings in his garage. Dude rolls out, <laughs> has a baby, takes days off, comes back, first A-B, gone. I'm like, come on. I actually forgot to check to see how uh, Joe Adele did in his major league debut. I was so caught up on the, the Marlins winning again um, after coming uh, back, and they're winning right now, the Marlins are. Yes, the COVID-19 Marlins who just keep winning. 13 guys they put on the IL yesterday, and they still win. They still won anyway, 4 nothing. Uh, Trout in his first game back went 1-for-3 with a walk and a home run. Joe Adele went 1-for-4, so he already got his first major league hit out of the way. And uh, David Fletcher's still hitting. He's only hitting 357 now, where he was hitting like 555 against the A's. Well, the big story in that game was uh, not only Trout going yard in his first A-B, but uh, Albert Pujols one away. is now what? one away from Willie Mays. One away. Wow. It's a big deal. I mean, for, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for a guy that's 40 – for all the you know all the crap he gets for the contract and how far he fell off from being the guy the machine, I saw the tweet the Yankees tweet I think it was DJ LeMahieu or someone had three hits tonight and they called him the machine. It's like no, Pulhos is the machine. He's the guy that was winning MVPs and you know every accolade possible at the Cardinals. When DJ LeMahieu wins an MVP, we can maybe one or two we can maybe consider calling him the machine. But until then, it's our Pulhos' nickname to lose. So check this out: Pulhos is now. Four RBI shy of tying A-Rod for the second most all-time. Guys had a hell of a career. His 2,082 RBIs. I mean, that's just... So he's going to pass Mays for fifth on the all-time home run list, and he's going to pass A-Rod for second in RBIs, of course. Only Hank Aaron is ahead of him. That is 659. Right? Do you do you think he, he's 40? And I think he, I forget how many years he's left on his deal. I'll have to pull it up. It can't be. It's got to be like one after this. I, I've been tracking this for years, just going, this is the worst contract do, ever. Does he get to 700 home runs? And, you know, there are people like, well, wait a minute. You got to like 93 RBIs or you got to 100 RBI. You got, Look at the analytics. Yeah, he's, he's, had a, he's had a bazillion guys get on base in front of him. You could have paid a guy $10 million to give you the exact same numbers. That's the point. That's why you just don't look at RBIs. You got to look at the per, what, what this guy has actually done. Yes, thank you. Sometimes he's, got, he's got Mike Trout always on in front of him. He should have a ton of RBIs. RBIs can be an uh inflated number for some guys because of the guys on in front of them. When Pulhos is batting cleanup and Trout's batting second and Anthony Rendon's batting third, you should have a bunch of RBIs. Although Rendon, I don't know if you want to hit the panic button or not, but he uh, he's uh, hitting 167 on the year for the, the I, I, I The panic button's been hit. <laughs> where, where, where we are at this point, if you're struggling, the panic button has been hit. Yeah. Pulhos, one you, year Jack? left after this. One year. So he's a free agent in 2022. Or if he retires, he gets that 10-year, $10 million 
personal services contract with the angels that he has set up after. He's uh, done. Cause you got to make sure he's around the angel faithful once he <laughs> retires. Cause that's going to still put butts in the seats. I wonder who, who would be their faithful be him. Nolan Ryan, maybe. No, no one even associates Nolan Ryan G- with the Garrett angels. Anderson. Garrett Anderson, Tim Salmon, Darren Erstad, Mark Langston, Langs, okay, Chuck Finley. Do you put K Rod or like John Lackey around them because they were on that World Series team? John Wetland. Um, Troy Gloss, maybe. Well, those guys all won a World Series, so I think they're all going to be special. But I think when you think of the great Angels, Bobby Gritch, Gary DeSarcina, Reggie Jackson. Gooby? He's more, everyone remembers him for the Royals, but. Uh, Gooby pitched there like what, one year? Let's, let's find out. I think Gooby pitched there one year. Jim Abbott. That's a good, that's a good pull. Abbott's a good one. Um, it's kind of tough just to pull great angels out of the hat when you're thinking. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Of, oh, oh, uh, Jim Edmonds. Yeah, Edmonds is was one. Rod Carew. Oh yes, the Hall of Famer. Jared Weaver. Uh, Vlad's on this list. Bad Jim- Vlad. God, how did we not think of him? The MVP. Uh, Jim Fergosi. Yeah. Uh, let's see. They have Lackey on here on this. I'm just looking up the greatest angels of all time. Uh, Sean Figgins, remember him? Tory Hunter. Don't call, don't call me Jones. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys. Uh, Gooby Pitch. Uh, the biggest angel of them all, Gene Autry, the cowboy. Uh, Gooby Pitch one year with the Angels, the very end of his career. He was 0-1 with a – can you guess what his ERA was in two starts? <laughs> I do not want to even know. That's my guy. 25.07. <laughs> So James Caprelli and we're just waiting. Batting practice is about to get uh, about to end, and we're gonna, you know, can't wait to talk to him about everything that he's been through. And now, gonna finally make cross your fingers. He's gonna make his big league debut. I want to Reggie Reggie's first year when he leaves the Yankees for the Angels. Reggie Jackson, the straw that stirs the drink. And I remember, I think his first game was against the Yankees, and he homered against him. He had 39 jacks, 101 RBIs, and a 907 OPS. Old man Reggie at 36 could still swing it. And then after that, it just started, you know, he had, he had a year of 25 home runs, a year of 27, but that was, that was on his way. That was his last big year. It was 1982 at 36 years old for the California Angels. Reggie's deal was so big that I think he got a part of the gate. I could be totally wrong on that. I just remember that as a kid. So our schedule's been thrown off because we were supposed to go with buying or selling here. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I put it in there before we had Fosse on. So, I mean, we I mean we can still do it if you want. I, I and think- if. And if he shows up, we just switch. Yeah, we because we don't, we don't know when he's going to show up. Yeah, we never know. He might call one of her Fosse's on. We could have a, a dual interview of Fosse and James Caprellian. Oh, my God. I gave Fosse a heads up where I said, uh, Caprellian's supposed to call before you come on, but you never know. I'll keep you posted. We never – you know what? We we have a better 
understanding of the player's schedule during regular times. But now it's kind of all, I mean, you just don't know. I feel bad for like Vince. You know, Vince normally would get the player of the game before the player went into the clubhouse. Now you got to wait and you got to do a Zoom. So we're getting to Vince and the player of the game way later than we normally do. It's just everything's different. And we just all have to be able to adjust. So go buying or selling. Let's go. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. So actually the first one here, now bear with me here. It's a two-minute long piece of audio, but it's from MLB Network. And uh, we could talk about it after. But Dan Plesak, someone tweeted up at Dan Plesak that, because uh, I guess they were talking about it on MLB Tonight with Aim, uh, Greg Amesinger and, and Harold Reynolds. Plesak apparently said that um, he believes at 58 years old he can still throw 75 miles an hour. Just uh, take a listen to some of the audio. And he came out today and said, Uh-oh. he can still throw 75. I love you, Dan, but no way you're throwing 75 at age 58. I'd love to see it, though. That's from Jim. I don't know if that's a friend of yours. But no. Jim, I could throw 75. Really? I could throw 75. Uh, I'm, the guy used I, to throw 95 to a yeah, I can throw 75. Okay. Okay, real quick, can we, can, we do, can we do the thing where you, like, show me that you can't bend your elbow any further? Doesn't matter. Show oh, us your okay. range of motion. Right arm. <laughs> Left arm. <laughs> that's as far as that. That's as far as it goes. Right there. That's it. So you still think that 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 limb can get 75 miles an hour? You can't. No you doubt. Can't. Wow. No doubt. 75 wow. isn't much. Se- really? Greg, no, no. 75 is. There's a big difference between 75 and 85. 85, I won't go there. But I think I could. Wait, wait, you think you could, you could hit 85? Yes. If you trained at the age of 58. I wouldn't need to train. That's what I did for a living. I could throw, like, if I went in the studio for, That's 42. That's what you did for a living, like, a long time. I know, but I, but, but I, there's no doubt in my mind I could throw a ball 75 miles an hour. No doubt in my mind. 75, right? All right, 75 miles an hour. Okay, do we have 75? Don't, please don't injure yourself. I'm not going to injure myself. Okay, here we go. I got a bunch of cords flying all over the place. Hang on, America. Oh. Okay, ready? I'm dealing with cords. Whoa! Oh, that was pretty that good. That looked pretty good. Let's see. 52! Oh. <laughs> that's not it! Listen, hey, man. Not, that's, that's not 52! That's according to Stackhouse. Oh. It lies. 52! Right, you gotta do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Can you get there? Alright, we gotta get there. One more time. Listen, I know what 52 <laughs> is. 52 isn't even breathing, for God's sakes. Ready? Right. Here okay. we go, folks. 52. Okay. Ooh, whoa. Oh, whoa. That's good. On that one. He grunted on that Come one. Let's see what Statcast says. Statcast! <laughs> so, yeah, he th- so what happened was, I don't know why the audio oh, cut off. What was the second it. one? How fast? Uh, the second one, 35 miles an hour. Oh, now that's wrong. So, so getting back to the, the question on police act. Now, he retired in 2003. He threw, he threw hard. He did, and so the first throw was 52. The second one was 35. For context, his nephew, Zach, who pitches for the Cleveland Indians, topped that at almost 97 last year And when I went back and checked on Sadcast and Baseball Savant. With the right training, maybe, maybe with the pitching ninja, he could do it. So we'll see. 
But we ha- I think we have James. I do think we have James. James, welcome to Ace Cast Live. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well. And, you know, the last time we talked to you at spring training, you know, we were talking about Las Vegas and how uh, you guys were going to have a terrific staff at Las Vegas. But now, obviously, things have changed and you are in the big leagues. Congratulations. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys very much. Yeah, it's good to be here. And uh, obviously, it's a great group of guys. And I'm uh, very happy to get here and contribute with you guys. You know, always one of the great stories. And we've talked to Fran Reardon about this over the years, the manager of Las Vegas is just how do you tell a guy he's going to the big leagues and he's going to be able to achieve his dream? Uh, tell us a great story. Tell us how they told you you're going to the big leagues. Yeah, so I was actually uh, in my room. Um, it's probably about 10, 15 at night. And, uh, you know, just watching a little Seinfeld, just trying to get a good laugh in before I go to bed. And uh, they, they uh, called me down to the boardroom where uh, a lot of the staff and coaches were hanging out and, um, I think watching some of the games or or whatever, and you know, I headed down there, and um, you know, I walked in, and they're all you know sitting at the table, and first thing they asked me before I get it even like a hello in or anything like that is, have you ever seen the movie The Natural? And you know, obviously, me being a baseball player, I said yes. It's been a while though. And they go, all right, we want to, we want you to watch this scene right now, and they uh, showed me the scene where um, you know they tell the guy he's going to the big leagues, and then they pause it right after that, and. Um, they looked at me and they go, Hey, you earned it flat out. You're going to the show kid. And they all stood up and clapped. And, um, it was, it was pretty special feeling. Um, obviously not the way I imagined it. Um, but they did a really good job of, of making it a special moment for me. And, um, you know, I can't be more thankful and grateful for that. Yeah. We're in the strangest times, at the season, but it doesn't matter. Strange times or not. This is something that you've prepared yourself for a long, long time. You dreamt about it as a kid. You thought that for sure this thing's going to happen when you're drafted in the first round out of UCLA by the Yankees. We'll get into the setbacks in a minute, but, you know, to finally hear those words, what was it like? Who'd you call first? What did you do when you went back to your room? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just uh, not, I don't know, almost a relief, but at the same time, I kind of immediately looked back at, you know, the whole process of, of the things I've gone through, the trials. Um, the good things, the bad things, um, you know, I've been kicked down a couple of times and, and I've gotten back up, you know, that's what we do. Um, and, and I think for me, that's hearing those words that I was going to the big leagues and, and going to be up here with these guys in Oakland. Um, it was just, just a, a feeling of relief. So immediately, you know, I called my dad, um, had a special you know moment with him on the phone and um, I could hear how excited he was on the phone and hear it in his voice and, and how, you know, important it was for him too because you know he was my little league coach um you know kind of the one who, who has always been in my corner with me and um it was just a special moment for us to uh to share on the phone and, and obviously as soon as that you know as soon as as soon as uh you know we got over the excitement of me getting to the big league we talked about you know what i need to do and uh to you know stay in here so uh it was it was a special phone call for me and and uh yeah i'll never forget that yeah, we, we've talked to a lot of pitchers, and you know Chris Bassett, and we just talked to Kendall Graveman. You know, you, you have Tommy John surgery. There's no guarantee. Everybody tries to act like, oh, you have Tommy John surgery. You get a new arm, you're going to be fine. There is a total battle coming back mentally and physically from Tommy John surgery. You had, some, you had some rough times with it, too. It's not as easy as everybody makes it out to be. 
Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. There's there's times, um, there's days where it's really tough and you got to do your best to, to push through that. I mean, it, it's just, there's no there's no book on how to really go through it. You know, everyone feels different emotions during those times. And uh, it's tough. I mean, you're in Arizona, you're in wherever you're, you know, Arizona or Florida, wherever your rehab facility is. And it's it's kind of depressing there. You know, guys are all hurt and, and and you don't want to be there. You want to be out competing. You know, that's that's what I, that's what my job is. My job is to go out there, compete, and give my team a chance to win. And, you know, for the first time in my career, I was told, you have to wait. You have to wait. So it's kind of been up to this point, hey, be patient, be patient, be patient. And, and uh, you know, I think that also, you know, pulls into the same thing. Hearing, hearing the news, getting into the big leagues, um, the patience has finally, you know, got me to this point. And, and now we can finally start this thing. It's funny when people talk about making debuts, we were so used to, you know, family reaction of family members and, and friends. And obviously now like I was talking about last night with like Jesus Lizardo, there may be nobody in the stands, but I hope you guys do realize the amount of people that are watching on television watching on the MLB app, listening here on A's cast and the A's radio network. When you make your debut, there will be a lot of eyeballs on you. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, for me personally, I, I know how many people I have back home supporting me and my family, um, friends, just the community that I grew up in, um, all sorts of people who've, who've backed me, been in my corner and been reaching out, telling me they've been following me um, even since I was a Yankee. So I'm, I'm very fortunate for that. And I'm, you know, it is disappointing that my family can't be here, but at the end of the day, I'm almost going to have two debuts. Um, you know, I got this debut and it's an empty stadium with the fake crowd noise being pumped in. But at the end of the day, uh, at some point, hopefully next year, um, you know, I'm going to be pitching in front of fans again. So I'm sure I'm almost positive um, my family is going to be able to uh, all be here and blow that one up. So it'll be uh, just as exciting then, too. You know, looking at your career in the minor leagues, you haven't spent a whole lot of time coming out of the bullpen. You're a starter. That's who you are. What is it like yeah. for you? Because uh, we all know starters, you have your team, you pick every five days. What's it like for you now coming out of the bullpen? I'll be ready to go. It's uh, That's not really a concern of mine. You know, for me, it's, it's do what I got to do to make sure I'm feeling good every single day, um, eating the right foods, putting the, putting the right nutrition in my body, training the right way make sure I'm doing the right uh, arm care and stuff. And um, I do believe I am a starter with a four-pitch guy, and I feel confident throwing all those pitches. But at the same time, you know, if it's coming out of the bullpen to help this team win, that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I think for me it's just make sure I'm feeling good and, and uh, alert and ready to go. And um, I don't think I'm going to, you know, I don't think the transition to being a reliever should be uh, too too difficult. And, I, you know, fortunately for me, already in just the day I've been here, I've talked to a lot of these relievers about kind of routines, things that they do and, and, and preparing and, um, they've given me some good insight. So um, just going to continue to, you know, lean on these guys, learn as much as I can and and uh, do what I can to get comfortable and settled in. You know, last night, you know, we kind of saw something historic. You, you you know, two walk-off grand slams in 11 games. If, if the A's somehow you guys can have one more, no team in the history of baseball has had three walk-off grand slams in a season let alone in 60 games. So what was it like being there last night? Here you show up and uh, walk off Grand Slam. Yeah, pretty pretty cool. I'll, uh, I'll take that for my first game in the big leagues, huh? Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty special. Pretty pretty awesome moment. Obviously, Piscotty had an absolute laser out there, um, you know, uh, but just 
just awesome to be a part of that. And yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it could be history here if we do do another one. So um, I know, you know, pitchers and hitters obviously would like to, you know, get those, get those runs in early, but um, you know, we'll take wins any way we get them. You know, take us to San Jose, to San Jose Municipal, where the alternate side is. What was it like being down there? Because you got, you got guys that are ready to become big leaguers. And then of course you, you're playing against the young kids just because they don't want them to lose a year. What was that like? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's, it's definitely a little challenging because you want to make things as game like as possible. Um, I think that's probably the most difficult part is, is for me personally, um, that was my um, biggest thing I wanted to focus on is every time I got the ball, every fifth day out there, I was, I was trying to treat it like it was the big leagues. I was, you know, locked in serious, treating it the same way, going through the same routines, um, just to kind of just prepare um, for being here and being able to help this team win when that, uh, you know, phone call did eventually come. And I think that's the biggest challenge is, is just making sure the intensity is there. Um, but, yeah, we got a lot of talent there as well, and, and guys are doing everything they can to stay ready. And, um, you know, hopefully some more guys get an opportunity that I'm getting at some point down the road. And you can give us a scouting report on some of these young kids that are down there, Soderstrom, Boston, and there's they're some really talented kids, and, and they're young. Yeah, we got some we got some good young talent down there. It's uh, it's fun getting to talk to those guys. Um, obviously, they are very young, and they have you know plenty of learning to do about the game. But you can already tell there's there's a ton of talent there, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch these guys develop and be able to contribute in in the future here. Um, those guys those guys can swing it and they can play. So. They're here for a reason, and, um, you know, we, lo we love that. It's good to have them. Well, you've battled the adversity. You've shown your toughness. You have earned this promotion. No question about it. Congratulations to you. You've earned it. We can't wait to watch you pitch. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Likewise. Same to you guys. Thank you guys for having me very much. James Caprellian came over in the Sunny Gray trade. I mean, obviously, a first-round pick out of UCLA, big kid, 6'3", 225, Tommy John surgery. I know I'm asking a question because I really learned it from Chris Bassett. Man, it's not as easy as people act when you go under the knife. We, we were of this belief, and kind of, you know, I probably learned it first from Jared Parker, actually. We were in the belief... Have Tommy John, 12 months later, you're back, everything's good. God, there was that one shorthanded right-handed reliever the A's had, and he never came back. God, what was his name? He would have been around 2011 or 12. I'll look that name up. But there was this belief that, oh, you have Tommy John, it's a new arm, you're back. And we're learning from these guys that it doesn't look, it's not like that. It's a rough road back. And it's great to see these guys be able to do that. And we're rooting for him. James Caprellian right here on A's Cast Live. Coming up next, it's Wednesday. It's hump day. It's Ray Fossey Day here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Trying to make it five in a row against the Texas Rangers. Sean Manaya, who, by the way, for three innings is money. The fourth inning, been a problem there. How about A's relievers this year? Five and zero oh with a 2.14 ERA. 
as we like to say, is that any good? The A's bullpen's been great, ERA wise, and they're, I think they're fifth overall in baseball and and team ERA at like two point eight eight. So it's been pretty pretty incredible so far to start the year. Yeah, I mean five and zero with a two point one four ERA, and Liam Hendricks has his mojo going, and it just seems like everybody who Bob throws in there, they they get the job done. Five and zero, two point one four ERA. I mean, come on, four saves. Oh, we got to play the open. He's here. You're right. Wednesday is known as hump day for everyone during the work week. But on A's Cast Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. Ray, how are you? Tony, you're the best. Cody's the best. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. You're talking about the great bullpen of the athletics, aren't you? I mean, so far, so good, right? Listen, th- you need something in a season like this that you can turn to, especially with the starters going short. Bob Melvin, Scott Emerson doing a great job not abusing them. And as, as I mean, abusing them because typically in spring training, uh, Scott Emerson said, and I said it uh, to you and um, – before that basically a starter needs about 35 innings to get himself feeling comfortable well they didn't get that in the abbreviated spring training point two whatever you want to call it so i think the remarkable job the bullpen has done and you know what bob melvin and scott emerson have done and again not to say that there are guys in the bullpen that you don't want to turn to but you look at the guys who have been used in winning situations it has been lights out, and that's why those numbers are where they are that you talked about with Cody that I think is tremendous. And this offense, while it's not on all cylinders right now, they're scoring just enough to win. And, again, you and I have talked about it many times. If you play good defense and they're playing better and you get good pitching, you're going to win a lot of games. And the A's did that in Seattle, back-to-back three-to-two wins. They get a walk-off last night with Piscotti in the ninth, uh, ninth inning. So all things good so far, and especially after losing three in a row, to come back to win four in a row, that's pretty special in itself. I mean, two walk-offs that are grand, <laughs> grand slams. slams. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the 1954 Red Sox, the 2018 Cubs. Uh, no team has ever no team has ever done it three times in a season. Can you imagine in a 60-game season the A's set that record? <laughs> You know, I can't. I can't imagine one, much less two, and even three. It'd be, you know, we couldn't even think about it. But you know, it's it's a great approach, and I think from Matt Olson's standpoint, uh, when he he hit uh, whatever Hobie Miller, whatever his name is, the lefty, soft throwing lefty, you know, dropped the slider right in the middle of the plate. Wrong guy to do that too, because Ole stays back as well as anybody. And all Piscotti was trying to do last night, you noticed the ball went out to center field, which that in itself on a cool night, there was some balls hit well, but on a cool night, and it's the same way again tonight, ball does not carry that well. So for him to attack a ball that's down and in and hit it to straightaway center, it showed that what he was trying to do with the infield and outfield in, hit a long sack fly or get a sack fly basically over the head of the outfielders using the biggest part of the diamond. We always talk about you don't want to open up and hit a ground ball. Jesse Chavez wants a ground ball. He gave up the fly ball, and it went over the fence. But great approach by Stephen Piscotti. So in, in a sense, seeing those two slams, I'm not surprised because of the approach of both hitters. 
I am surprised that it would come down to, uh, in the case of the extra innings, the 10th inning against the Angels and ninth inning last night, to see the bases loaded and, and see Joe Madden use five infielders. Uh, last night, Chris Woodward used the conventional infield with three outfielders all playing in, which you have to. Because any ball hit deep is going to score the run regardless, especially with the speed of Barreto, who pinch ran for Olsen, who started a bit. But, you know, again, the patience in the ninth inning of the athletics with a walk, a base hit, and another walk. I mean, it was just a very, very good approach by all the athletics, and especially by Stephen Piscotti, who went deep with a grand slam. You know, I was thinking about it, Ray. One of the reasons why I don't think we've seen this a whole heck of a lot is because of approach. You know, back in the day, like let's say when you were playing, even after you were playing, if you came up with the bases loaded, you could see a squeeze. Guys were just trying to hit fly oh, yeah. balls. Guys weren't yakking it out of the ballpark back in the day. They, they only wanted to get the run in from third and win the game. And, you know, that's what Matt Olson and Stephen Piscotti did as well. I mean, if you look at the situations, I think both of them had the approach of doing exactly that. Now, conversely, you look at what the uh, Mariners hitters did in ninth inning against Soria, uh, Soria whenever he struck out a couple of batters with the bases loaded. Those guys were trying to hit home runs. Why? All they needed was a single, and they win the ball game. But Soria took advantage of the aggressiveness of the young players, and again, something that, that you talked about with Ken and you and I talked about. But, but the difference in the, the, the two hitters the A's had, and while – you know, Ole's third full year, you got Piscotti, somewhat of a veteran. You know, it, it, they just have a great approach. And I think that's attributable to Darren Bush, the ace hitting coach, and what he preaches. And Bob Melvin, don't get too long. Don't get too big. Don't try to be a hero. Just get the job done. And in both cases, they end up being grand slams. But, no, I, I agree with you. You know, the two-strike approach really is non-existent. But yet, let's not forget about what Ramon Lariano's doing. Mark Canna in particular, those two guys, and, and not, again, to say anything negative about anybody else, but those two guys stand out as being two of the best with a two-strike approach and knowing the pitcher that's on the mound. You saw it in Seattle. Uh, it, it's just been tremendous to see those two guys, and they're almost to the point they don't care if they get a couple of strikes. They have an approach, and they are not getting long in the swing. They're getting short in the swing, and as a result, they're coming through with some big hits. So to your point, Yes, you, you try to get the runner in, and in a case of many, many years ago, it, it was, you know, just get the run in. But I think the approach of the athletics is somewhat similar to that approach that you're talking about in years past. And that's a good sign to see because that's winning baseball. That's team baseball. That's what you need to have, regardless of whether it's 162 games or, in this case, 60 games. You need to have that approach. And, you know, Tony, maybe this is a learning experience for baseball players in general to realize that the little things that have to be done to win ball games because of this shortened season is going to help them as they continue their career in a regular season of 162 games. And, you know, maybe at the beginning, you're not going to see the long losing streaks. You're going to see guys who have that approach who are going to be good all season because of this shortened season. Ray, how many World Series did you win? Two. Uh, Cody, did you hear the guy that just won World Series talk about the little things win games? See, 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 Problem Foss, my producer, he just thinks everything's the three true outcomes. Strikeouts, home runs, walks. <laughs> no, no, no. Little, little, no. Things, little things don't matter to him, Ray. Cody, let me say this, my friend. If you win and you win a world championship, you really don't think about an individual. You think about 25 men joining together to win a world championship. 
25 plus a coaching staff, a manager, trainers, but it's a 25 all pulling on the same rope. I had to use that cliche, but bottom line, that's what it is. And again, I go back to my days in Cleveland. We were hoping to win, knowing that we couldn't. And I had a roommate at the time when we had roommates said, you know, think about the team, but think about yourself. Because in the long run, when you're negotiating a contract, it's going to come down to what you do individually. So, Cody, to your point there, in a losing team, yes, that's fine. But if you're winning, you hit the ball behind the runner while you're 0 for 1. That comes out at the end when you pick up that World Series ring and that World Series check because you all contributed. Nobody thinks about it. I mean, we, we knew that Reggie Jackson was great. We knew the pitching staff was great. But we also knew that everybody in that lineup somehow contributed to the success of the ball club and whether they were in the lineup every day on the bench in the bullpen starting staff everybody contributed that's how you win world championships if you're an individual player in a team sport you're going to lose i've been on both sides cody and you, it just doesn't happen so uh, to your point about the the outcome yeah in debate today's baseball we're seeing some of that but again Tony, going back to your point about this shortened season i think maybe this is going to help baseball in the long run even though we're losing so many games, but maybe hitters are going to realize that, hey, there's more to baseball than just trying to grip it and rip it and, and, and having that outcome, as, as Cody talked about. But, uh, you know, you win ball games, And, you know, again, I, I went back to Cleveland. I saw what it was like after winning in Oakland. I saw what it was like to lose again. It's not fun to go to the park knowing you don't have a chance to win. I would prefer – to come early, actually, we didn't have to come early. We just came out and got our work done, played the game, won, went home, you know, and, and ended up winning world championships. But, you know, it, it's a whole different story about coming to the park at the time you come uh, based on whether you feel you have a chance to win. This club right now, the Oakland A's, have that feeling, which is a great feeling, that no matter what, they're going to win ball games, and, and I think that's a great, great feeling to have when you come to the park every day with that feeling. Somehow, some way, we're going to win. Cody, your response? Well, I don't disagree with what you're saying, Ray. I just my whole thing now. I feel like too many teams in baseball are so reliant on the home run. Like a perfect example of that is is Minnesota. They hit 307 home runs last year, a major league record. They got swept in the first round because they're so reliant on the home run. They're hitting home runs this year exactly. too. I just feel like the modern baseball teams and players are are focusing more on the three true outcomes, and that's kind of what we're seeing more and more. And we're seeing teams like the Nationals win the World Series because they don't have the the superstar Layton T, yeah, they had Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon, but they had guys like Howie Kendrick and and uh, Gerardo Parra stepping up for them winning when they won the World Series, not you know superstar players. So I I just feel like baseball is a different dynamic right now with all these everyone focusing so much on the home run. But you're right, like the teams that have won, the teams you want on, and you're quote about Cleveland. I, I love that. We, we were hoping to win, knowing we couldn't. Like that's I love that hearing that. Yeah. But you're right about everyone needs to do the things together. I just feel like. So far, anymore in baseball, we're seeing so many guys just relying on the home run and sometimes individual stats more than the team stats, and it's kind of how I feel about how baseball has been going the last few years. You know, there's a lot of truth to that, Cody. But, you know, if, if you think about the success of a team, what are the – you know, I like to use this analogy of a, a home run hitter, you know, 40, 50 home runs, and he's an everyday player. Let's go with the number 50. And he plays 150 games. He goes to the plate four times every day. That's 600 plate appearances. What's he do the 550 times that he does in a home run? That's, you know, 50 home runs, he's a superstar. 
you know, but he's made a lot of outs because he's trying perhaps to hit home runs with the launch angle, with the, with the two strike swing, just like it's a, a first pitch swing, you know, and, and I think that's where the adjustment that a hitter makes to be successful. I would rather take somebody who hits 20 home runs, 25, even 10 home runs, but you know, you, you start getting low numbers as far as home runs, just like we were talking about D Gordon when the A's were playing the Mariners. Why in the world is D Gordon hitting fly balls? If, if you know, I, I made the uh, mention uh, uh, comment that Ted Williams, greatest hitter of all times, perhaps. I mean, there's a lot of great hitters. Ted Williams is noted as one of the best, if not the best. He had a, a situation where he would find hitters, guys who had great speed, if they hit the ball in the air. That's the way it should be. There's no reason in the world if you're going to hit 10 home runs a year, what good is that? Well, I would rather see that guy bunt. I mean, look, look when Ichiro played. Ichiro could hit the ball out of any park in the American League. But yet what happened whenever he came to the plate, infielders would play in because of his speed, because of his ability to make contact and run to where he was that top of hit. He got 200 hits every year. And so, you know, I, I think one of the things that, uh, that, that hitters do is that when they do get two strikes, they don't think anything about shortening their swing. They think more about, okay, I'm going to hit a mistake. How many – Cody, if you think about all the players in Major League Baseball, you know, the position players, home run hitters, how many do you think go to the plate and say, I'm going to hit a home run this at bat? Zero. I'll, I'll give the answer right now. Zero. Because you, you might th- and well, maybe the answer is more than zero. But if you're going to the plate trying to do that, you're changing everything. You're changing your swing. But that's why a 3-0 count, the manager has to know what kind of a hitter he has 3-0. Because if you watch a hitter swing 3-0, and and he's opening up, and he's flying open, he's I'm going to hit a home run. You don't have to hit a home run. Just hit the ball in the gap someplace, and maybe it will travel out like the Scotty did last night. But if you're going up there and you're thinking about a home run, you're going to get beat because the catcher, a good catcher and pitcher, are going to see that, and they're going to pitch you accordingly. So, uh, you know, so, some people don't like to say the word small ball uh, because it, it's it's basically – doing the right things fundamentally, but I still go back to the thing that if you have a runner at second base and nobody out, and if you don't hit the ball to the right side, give yourself up, you're going to get more handshakes going back to the dugout if you do that than if you obviously pop up or you make an out. They're going to say nothing to you. They're going to say, what the heck are you doing? What are you trying to do? But if you give yourself up, you're going to see more high fives than anything because you did your job. You gave yourself up. And while it's an 0 for 1, that 0 for 1 means nothing at the end of the year, if you win the whole thing, you know Ray, who uh, who Cody reminds me of, who Manny Machado, and oh by the way, <laughs> that's, that's right, yeah. Manny Machado's hitting two seventeen with thirteen strikeouts this year, Commander. Your guy Manny yeah. Machado, I th- I, th- I thought Manny was supposed to try this year. Well, I mean he. Struck out on that nasty pitch last night by uh, Dustin May, but Ray, I wanted to bring this up. You, when you were mentioning about players, go, you know, getting the ha- the high fives and handshakes, the perfect example of a guy that lived on the lived off the home run for so many years, and now he's becoming a better hitter. Is there's no one better in baseball right now to follow than Joey Gallo? Gallo hitting yep. low two hundreds last year, he hit around two fifty before he got hurt. Now he's hitting over three hundred this year. He has three homers, but he's getting on base and he has a higher batting average. That guy, he is really working hard to transform himself into a better hitter and not relying on the home run, where a, a teammate of his, Rognet Odor, will hit 30 home runs and hit 200, and everyone's like, great yep. player at second base. 
you're hitting 230. I'd rather have a guy that hits 30 home runs and hits closer to 250 than the 200 Mendoza line batting average. Well, you look at last night, guys, and to be honest, uh, with Joey Gallo, the shift was on. I don't think it was an appropriate time to bunt 2-0 and or, or, or with two outs, even with the shift on, because with his power, he could hit a home run himself and not worry about really essentially getting two more hits after he gets the bunt down. But as it turned out, with his speed, he was able to score on Frazier's double down the left field line. But, you know, I agree with you, Cody. He's become better because I think what happens, the players who hit 40 to 50 home runs, they look on the board, they're hitting, the, they're hitting 200. They're, you know, at the Mendoza line, they're, they're hitting below 200. That's not a good feeling because all the numbers are on the board. And while, yes, there, there are people who love home runs, but I still would prefer to have somebody who hits 30 and drives in 120 and hits 300. I mean, you talk to me. I mean, that to me is an optimum player because he's doing the little things and especially getting hits in, the, in the today's world with shifts. My goodness. I mean, look what Cannon and Laureano did and Pender did in, uh, in Seattle with Shaw up. I mean, Shaw's pitching, throwing the cutter. Well, he's expecting them to pull the pitch when he's throwing nothing but cutters. He had, he had three players that said, thank you. I'll just go with you. And the whole right side of the infield was open. And then you add to the fact when a runner's at first and the first baseman holding the runner, you have, you could drive 10 Mack trucks through the right side because it's such a big area. And for a hitter, a right-handed hitter, not to look at that and say, thank you very much. All he has to do is just kind of drag the bat through the zone inside out. And you're going to get a base hit. It's going to be a first and third. You're going to drive in a run. So little things like that, by paying attention as a hitter, is going to make you a better hitter and make the team much better. Going down the standings, Ray, I don't want to hear that it's early because look at the teams that are leading. The Yankees are leading the East. They've won seven in a row. You got the, the Minnesota Twins. They're leading the Central. They've won five in a row. And right on their heels right now is the White Sox. They've won six in a row. The A's in yeah. first place have won four in a row. You go down to the Cubs in the Central. They've won five in a row. The Rockies are leading the West. They've won four in a row. You, you got to get on hot streaks. If you want to win your division and you want to host games in the postseason, you got to win now plus the rest of the year. That's a great part, Tony, because you, you can't afford to have these long losing streaks. And I commend the A's after losing three in a row to come back and win four in a row. Winning that first game, ending the losing streak. You know, to me, the one thing that the A's have, and I've always felt, that if you have a good starting rotation, there is not one guy in a rotation who can take the mound every day and not stop a losing streak. And I think that's what's special. Because if, if let's say, one guy doesn't do it, the next guy says, okay, I'm going to do it. No pressure. It's not putting pressure. He just said, I have the ability to end this losing streak. That's what you need to help a team win. And then conversely, I think when you're looking at a winning streak, when you lose that game, you have to make sure that you don't extend the losing streak. You have to make sure that you get back on the winning track. Because let's say you win five or six in a row, then you lose one. You don't want to lose another four or five and take away everything you've just gained. So I, I think to that point, uh, it's a shortened season. And, yes, do what you can. And, and again, it, it's, it's really kind of funny. And I was just thinking as, as we were talking that how much better this shortened season, while all the negative things that have happened in the world and, and in baseball, that maybe it will change the game to the point of players saying, hey, we have a chance to get out of the gates good and fast and not worry about trying to catch up. Let's get ahead play 500 plus 500 baseball 
and then play the season out and get on a hot streak and win it in a normal season. But and, and right now in 60 games, it's totally different. And I like what the A's are doing because they're starting to come around. And yet their offense, with the exception of what happened, uh, what is it, Sunday's game? They were um, – or is it Friday uh, – Monday's game? I, I get confused with, with uh, doing the games with Coliseum all the time. But, but the bottom line, you know – <laughs> They score, they score 11 runs, and, and you know, but then the next, well, it was Sunday or Monday because they broke, came back last night and six it. So, you know, it, it, it's, you like to get on a nice roll, but I, I think the more hitters can do the little things, it's going to make them better, and it's going to get them to the point where they're getting their hits is exactly what they want to do because um, they, 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 they just do not want to have that extended period. Now, I think of Marcus Simeon. Marcus Scheduled to be a free agent after this season. I think it's going to change. Now, Mookie Betts was going to be. He got the huge contract with the Dodgers. But any player who is going to be a free agent, I think they have a little bit more pressure on themselves than maybe somebody else just because it is 60 games versus the regular season. And you don't have a chance to have a bad three, four weeks and then come back because you have that now, just like with Corey Kluber. Uh, out and Shohei Otani's not going to pitch anymore. When you start talking four to six weeks without throwing a baseball as a pitcher, you're done for the season considering this year. And as a hitter, if you go a period of time without getting a hit, all of a sudden you start squeezing the, squeezing the bat into sawdust. And, and, you know, as a catcher, you can see that. now. You can see the grip of the hitter on the bat. And you know he's really tense. And that really helps you as a catcher-pitcher when you know the, the hitter is up there squeezing that bat so hard saying I got to get a hit got to get a hit instead of just being nice and relaxed and again I think that is something where I think Marcus will will get better simply because he's a, a big part of this ball club defensively and what he does leading off and it's just a matter of him getting going and and, and taking off just like everybody else and I think we're going to see that with this club you know I, I know you want to have favorable matchups um but looking at the lineup today, having Canna in at DH and Davis sitting out, is this just Bob playing the hot hand? You know, Bob Melvin said that he is going to uh, use Chris Davis against lefties and, and, you know, kind of get him back. Now, you hit the home run against the right-hander. It was a hanging slider. You know, you and I could have hit it. You know, should have. And, and, of course, he's as strong as he is and he hit the home run. And you can see all the excitement. And there was a question with the writing on the mound last night, Lance Lynn, who's by, by – by and large, a fastball pitcher, but he wasn't in the lineup. He's not in there again tonight. But really, how do you keep Mark Cannon out of the lineup? He is so good. He walked three times last night. And, uh, you know, he, he's just such a good hitter, and he's a smart hitter. He doesn't give away at bats, not that anybody should. I've always said that. But he's the type of hitter that you find a way to get in the lineup. And Piscotty hits the grand slam. you got Grossman, who's very aggressive. Laureano, you don't want to take out. You know, Pinder is you have to play the outfield. You have Kip at second night tonight. And, you know, so you could have Pinder in the lineup somehow. But, you, you know, you're going with a hot hand, Piscotti, you know, try to keep him going. And with Grossman and Lariano, two guys, to me, are professional hitters. Lariano, we've talked about. Grossman, we see on a regular basis. So, unfortunately, it comes down to the DH spot and Mark Canna's it. And, and I think to your point about a hot hand, I don't think, I don't think in this 60-game schedule, that you can say to somebody, I'm going to give you a week or two weeks or whatever. It's like, if you're not swinging the bat well, you're out of there. I don't care who you are, how much money you're making or what. It, it's the point of, I want to win games. And that's why Bob Melvin is such a good manager because he's prepared. His coaches are prepared, which in turn, the players are prepared. And I think that's what makes it so good. 
How, what, what, what year is this for you as a broadcaster with the A? Is this 30th? 35. 35. I wouldn't even close. 35 years you've been broadcasting. What has this experience been like for you where you're, <laughs> you're laughing and I'm listening to you and the sprinklers are going off? And, and, and what has this been like for you? Tony, I appreciated your text message Friday night after we did our first game against the Mariners because to me, if you can do a game, which your text was simply, you sounded like you and Glenn were in Seattle. And that is good. Now, if Glenn doesn't say, and people don't know, let's say you turn on the television, you're watching the game, you know, nobody knows that we're sitting at the Coliseum with nobody here. And the sprinklers going and the field covered, the dirt part covered with the tarp. But, uh, you know, that's the way it's going to be all season. It's different, uh, especially with the runner at second base, uh, in extra innings, which we are, came close to that happening last night again. But thanks to Stephen Piscotti, it didn't. Seven inning no hitters. You think about the Tigers who played the the seven inning uh, double header the other day. They lost by score four to three. You think they didn't want two extra innings to try to score another run or two? You know, and and again, we're we're looking at things this year. And the Marlins have a, a percentage that puts them in first place. They've only played what four games, five games. Everybody else of the uh, the A's are playing their twelfth tonight. So it, you know, a, a lot has changed this year. But I commend the commissioner and baseball for trying to get. Two months of get baseball in, play the postseason, and maybe going into 2021, all this can be forgotten. You can have the regular season, a normal season, and, and get back to some normalcy. And, and then, you know, God forbid something happened to the – you know, maybe they learned a lesson too, the owners and the players, about the CBA collective bargaining agreement, which expires next December, and try to get something worked out during the season so you don't have any, any interruption. This, this interruption right now, four months, that's plenty to last for a long time for different reasons, and we want everybody to be healthy. And to that point, I think you're going to see guys saying to each other and to the teammates, we don't want to see you going out. We don't want to see, you know, 18 guys, you know, come down and test positive. You know, we don't want to see that. So you have to make sure that you think about the team effort. We go back to the team. If everybody's thinking team, then you're going to do whatever is necessary to be a teammate, a good teammate, and help yourself win. And there's going to be a world champion, and why not the Oakland Athletics? I'd love to see it. Ray, you are the best, and I will talk to you inside A's Total Access. I look forward to it. You and Cody, you guys are doing a tremendous job. Don't ever change. You're doing great. The great Ray Fossey, the face of the franchise, will be on with me. Um, what time are we starting? 5.15? Yeah, 5.15. It'll be like 522-ish. We'll be with Ray. How long are we going here? We got another about five minutes. We can finish buying or selling if you'd like. I thought you said we were out at five. No. We're at, we're hard out is at 506, so we gotta, we'll we be out around 501-ish, and I'll play a couple oh, spots. 506, and then I'm back on at 515? Yeah, but we'll, we'll end around five, and then I'll play some spots, and then... All right. Hazel Knight will be next. But I, I we never finished the damn police sack thing. We finished the audio, so but we – Yeah, yeah, yeah. The longest question ever in the history in buying or selling. What is the question about Dan Polizak, friend of the program? With the right – if he worked with uh, Rob Freeman, could he throw 75 miles an hour at age 58? No question. I, I'm with you. I think he could. I think – Polizak used to almost get to 100. All he'd have to do is start playing catch – Get through the dead arm period. Start playing long toss. You're talking about seventy. He's a monster. Was he like six five, six six? 
Yeah, let's pull. Let's pull up the old baseball reference page. He's not short. I'll tell you that. And his oh, he's a big man. His elbow does not bend either. I was watching. I watched that video. It was on Instagram from MLB Tonight, and he was like, he extended his arms like his his right arm comes all the way, and his left arm comes like this far. Uh, Polisak is six five. Well, according to baseball reference, six five two oh five. I don't think he weighs two oh five anymore. Oh. That was a long time ago. But, yeah. And by the way, the, one of the biggest characters and one of the most fun guys we've ever had on this show. Oh, what, what did Amelia uh, tell us? The, the voice of the Coliseum right now? Uh, he, he's known as Disco – is it Disco Dan at uh, MLB Network? Yeah. <laughs> or uh, no, sorry. Sec. No, sorry. DJ Dan. DJ Dan is what it was. He's, he's a funny guy. No, I totally believe – Yeah, because he's right. 75 is not that hard. 85, that's a whole different ball game. Well, they had him go straight out there with a suit on, you know, into yeah. the Studio 42, and he ta- and, and Amesinger is holding his jacket, and the first throw is 52, and he you hear the guys. warmed up. Yeah, the guys are all laughing at him, and you hear him, please, please don't hurt yourself. And then the next one's like what, 35. What would you say? What would you say? How long would you give me? And this is not going to happen because now I'm working on my golf game. How long do you think it would take me to ramp up to be able to throw 75? Well, my first question would be, when was the last time you threw an extended period this, this thrown? Played catch with someone. That's a great question. <laughs> well, that's 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 not, not a good start. <laughs> it would have been uh, at a San Jose State football game with a football in a parking lot. Okay. Uh, tailgating, I, I see, huh? I, 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 I always end up winging it around the yard a little bit, but throwing a baseball with, like, a glove to somebody else who has a glove, I can't even tell you the last time I did that. Yeah, I would say uh, I'd let you get some warm-up pitches in. It would take a while. Yeah, you're also 10 years younger than Plesak, so and I don't think you've had any major arm injuries and anything like that. And I think your elbow probably bends all the way back. Like, you can actually – yeah, see, you're good. Plesak couldn't even get his left arm to go that far. So, I think I think you could do it. I think if you had an extended uh, long toss period, Trevor Bauer style, you could do it. What else you got? Uh, well, we're at five, so we might as well just – Call today now. We'll save the rest of them. I have a couple triple crown questions that I'm going to save for for Friday because nothing's going to change. Right, do, since we, then. do we have someone on the on the triple crown route right now? Mm, well, there's two guys close. That's one. Joey Nelly. Gallo's not winning the triple crown. It's not, Stop it. It's it's not it's not Gallo, but it's another guy that well Gallo can actually play defense, but it's another right fielder who can't play defense, but he can hit. Oh, my favorite red. Yep, he had a home run last night. I don't know if he well, – let's, let's see if he's homered yet today because the Yankees actually lost earlier, but Aaron Judge had his seventh home run of the season. So he has seven home runs, and the Yankees lost game one of their doubleheader. Uh, updating on a couple scores, the Mets are up 2-1 over the Nats. The, what about my Marlins? The Marlins won uh, – let's see, the Marlins – I think they played it, they're playing a doubleheader. Let me double-check. The Marlins won game one of the doubleheader, one nothing. so they're now 4-1. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You heard it here first. I said the Marlins were going to the playoffs, but everyone laughed Cancel at me. the season. Remember, everyone can't let – and all the Marlins keep doing is winning. Yeah, the Reds and Indians is 0-0, but the, the uh, Reds Twitter account tweeted, oh, Cleveland, it's so nice. LeBron left it twice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's so great. <laughs> that's just straight Ohio trolling right there. Yeah, it's Cincinnati trolling Cleveland. I mean, that's – it's not really what happens with Pittsburgh and Cleveland, but it was that was have, pretty have funny. I, have I ever given you my list of uh, American cities I never need to go back to? Yeah, it wasn't wasn't Cincinnati number one? Uh, 
So when you fly into Cincinnati, you actually fly into Kentucky. Yeah. And then they're just right across the river from each other. Uh, neither Kentucky, and this was the Kentucky Derby. I'd have to do that. But like hanging out, Cincinnati, I, I'm good. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I, 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 I went once. Was out both nights, and uh, yeah, Cincinnati is a uh, townie. Never needs to go back. You didn't enjoy I'm the skyline there. chili. It's spaghetti. It's gross. Do you know that, right? Yeah, I never, I never had it, but I've heard that. Like, if you go to a chili cook-off, and most places, it's chili. Theirs is with spaghetti noodles. So I remember when I had it, I'm like, I didn't order spaghetti. And I'm like, no, this is Skyline Chili. I'm like, this is spaghetti. This is spaghetti with, with like, a, a, a chili sauce on top of it. No. I thought I was – you want to talk about the most hyped-up, overrated thing? Skyline Chili. All right, is that it? Uh, that's it for today. And, well, we got a day game tomorrow? Yeah, day game tomorrow. So we're back on Friday. With, you got a day off tomorrow. With uh, no days off. Uh, Friday, Houston coming to town. Oh, God. Can they just allow it? Can we ask the professor if they'll just allow us in the ballpark and we just can just scream at them all game long? Um, I mean, that's – remember, I'm a lower-level employee. Shout out Jeffrey Luno, who no longer is a GM, but he – I mean, let us – we can hide behind cutouts and just – you cheaters the whole game. We, actually, we can hide behind our own cutouts. You, you, you would hear it all over the ballpark. Just start ragging them all game long until your voice gives out. And we'll just hide behind our cutouts. Well, for Friday, I'm hoping we can uh, – We'll probably, hopefully we'll have uh, David Force and Bob Melvin. I already reached out to David. Bob's your uh, guy. A- AJ Hinch? Are we going to get AJ Hinch? I asked uh, – believe it or not, I asked the Astros for Dusty Baker, and I thought I'd get a, a whopping no. They said, we'll check with Dusty and get back to you. And I was like, all right, well, we'll see. But if not, we'll probably have Sparksy on. It's time to have Sparksy back on the program. After, uh, yeah, recovering from the heart attack. Yeah, so it'll be good to hear from him, and we can use Blummer another time. We're doing Cavill today, right? Yeah. So okay. you'll hear Cavill, so, and I think Vince is. I don't. I think Vince is in the community spotlight today. So no. Yeah, uh, with Catherine Acres. Yeah. So a big day on A's total access. We will be back on Friday, but just hang there because in a couple minutes I'll be back getting you ready for A's and the Rangers game two right here on A's Cast. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.